0: part one section two of the age of reason by thomas paine this librivox recording is in the public domain when i am told that the koran was written in heaven and brought to muhammad by an angel the account comes too near the same kind of hearsay evidence and second-hand authority as the former i did not see the angel myself and therefore i have a right not to believe it when also i am told that a woman called the virgin mary said or gave out that she was with child without any cohabitation with a man and that her betrothed husband joseph said that an angel told him so i have a right to believe them or not such a circumstance required a much stronger evidence than their bare word for it but we have not even this For neither Joseph nor Mary wrote any such matter themselves. It is only reported by others that they said so. It is hearsay upon hearsay, and I do not choose to rest my belief upon such evidence. It is, however, not difficult to account for the credit that was given to the story of Jesus Christ being the Son of God. He was born when the heathen mythology had still some fashion and repute in the world, and that mythology had prepared the people for the belief of such a story. Almost all the extraordinary men that lived under the heathen mythology were reputed to be the sons of some of their gods. It was not a new thing, at that time, to believe a man to have been celestially begotten. The intercourse of gods with women was then a matter of familiar opinion. Their Jupiter, according to their accounts, had cohabited with hundreds. The story, therefore, had nothing in it either new, wonderful, or obscene. It was comfortable to the opinions that then prevailed among the people called Gentiles or Mythologists. And it was those people only that believed it. The Jews, who had kept strictly to the belief of one God and no more, and who had always rejected the heathen mythology, never credited the story. It is curious to observe how the theory of what is called the Christian Church sprung out of the tale of the heathen mythology. A direct incorporation took place in the first instance by making the reputed founder to be celestially begotten. The trinity of gods that then followed was no other than a reduction of the former plurality, which was about 20 or 30,000. The statue of Mary succeeded the statue of Diana of Ephesus. The deification of heroes changed into the canonization of saints. The mythologists had gods for everything. The Christian mythologists had saints for everything the church became as crowded with one as the pantheon had been with the other and rome was the place of both the christian theory is little else than the idolatry of the ancient mythologists accommodated to the purposes of power and revenue and it yet remains to reason and philosophy to abolish the amphibious fraud nothing that is here said can apply, even with the most distant disrespect, to the real character of Jesus Christ. He was a virtuous and an amiable man. The morality that he preached and practiced was of the most benevolent kind, and though similar systems of morality had been preached by Confucius, and by some of the Greek philosophers many years before, by the quakers since and by many good men in all ages it has not been exceeded by any jesus christ wrote no account of himself of his birth parentage or anything else not a line of what is called the new testament is of his own writing the history of him is altogether the work of other people and as to the account given of his resurrection and ascension It was the necessary counterpart to the story of his birth his historians having brought him into the world in a supernatural manner were obliged to take him out again in the same manner or the first part of the story must have fallen to the ground the wretched contrivance with which this latter part is told exceeds everything that went before it the first part that of the miraculous conception was not a thing that admitted of publicity and therefore the tellers of this part of the story had this advantage that though they might not be credited they could not be detected they could not be expected to prove it because it was not one of those things that admitted of proof and it was impossible that the person of whom it was told could prove it himself but the resurrection of a dead person from the grave and his ascension through the air is a thing very different as to the evidence it admits of to the invisible conception of a child in the womb the resurrection and ascension supposing them to have taken place admitted of public and ocular demonstration like that of the ascension of a balloon or the sun at noonday to all jerusalem at least a thing which everybody is required to believe, requires that the proof and evidence of it should be equal to all and universal. And as the public visibility of this last related act was the only evidence that could give sanction to the former part, the whole of it falls to the ground, because that evidence never was given. Instead of this, a small number of persons, not more than eight or nine, are introduced as proxies for the whole world, to say they saw it, and all the rest of the world are called upon to believe it. But it appears that Thomas did not believe the resurrection, and, as they say, would not believe without having ocular and manual demonstration himself. So neither will I, and the reason is equally as good for me and for every other person, as for thomas it is in vain to attempt to palliate or disguise this matter the story so far as relates to the supernatural part has every mark of fraud and imposition stamped upon the face of it who were the authors of it is as impossible for us now to know as it is for us to be assured that the books in which the account is related were written by the persons whose names they bear The best surviving evidence we now have respecting this affair is the Jews. They are regularly descended from the people who lived in the times this resurrection and ascension is said to have happened. And, they say, it is not true. It has long appeared to me a strange inconsistency to cite the Jews as a proof of the truth of the story. It is just the same as if a man were to say, I will prove the truth of what I have told you by producing the people who say it is false. That such a person as Jesus Christ existed, and that he was crucified, which was the mode of execution at that day, are historical relations strictly within the limits of probability. He preached most excellent morality and the equality of man but he preached also against the corruptions and avarice of the jewish priests and this brought upon him the hatred and vengeance of the whole order of priesthood the accusation which those priests brought against him was that of sedition and conspiracy against the roman government to which the jews were then subject and tributary And it is not improbable that the Roman government might have some secret apprehension of the effects of his doctrine, as well as the Jewish priests. Neither is it improbable that Jesus Christ had in contemplation the delivery of the Jewish nation from the bondage of the Romans. Between the two, however, this virtuous reformer and revolutionist lost his life. It is upon this plain narrative of facts, together with another case I am going to mention, that the Christian mythologists, calling themselves the Christian Church, have erected their fable, which, for absurdity and extravagance, is not exceeded by anything that is to be found in the mythology of the ancients. End of Part 1, Section 2